and welcome to TBR Spotlight, your companion podcast to The Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney+. Plus. More specifically today, episode two of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, The Star-Spangled Man. My name is Owen and I'm joined by my own Star-Spangled Man, Rory. What's the crack? Are you are you spangled? I don't know what spangled means. Yeah, what is spangled? Like I'm not too sure. Can you, can you only be spangled by stars or can you spang- be spangled by kind of anything? It's like, Jesus, have you seen Daniel from school? He's absolutely spangled He's these days. Spangled. I've never oh, seen I've never I've never seen someone so spangled in my yeah. life. Lads, it was a messy one last weekend. I got so spangled. So I'm not I'm not sure what star spangled man is, but uh Rory, first things first, uh I, w- I want the two of us just to get into the mood here today for uh for this particular episode. Can we have a staring contest? I mean like an intense you know, maybe with some weird, uh, like kind of undertones, like just a really, really intense staring contest. So if we can move a little bit closer, if that's okay. Stare spangled. Stare spangled. Wee bit closer. Oh. Wee bit, wee bit closer. What? Don't blink. Can, can I talk? Yeah, you can still talk. That's fine. Okay, cool. Are, are we still staring or? No, I, I blinked ages ago. It's fine. It's right. fine. So anyway, thanks to everybody who listened to last week's show and everybody who got in touch. I actually got a, a lovely text from one of my brothers who said, um, uh, listen to the first couple of minutes uh, while in a queue. So thanks. That's that's a great setting for it mm. anyway, first of all. But he said he enjoyed my honesty about loving everything I've ever seen appear on a screen. Which yeah. is uh, which is pretty accurate to be honest, and to be to remember uh, like that that is my brother. So he's he's obviously grown up with me and just knows that across the board, uh, I will love whatever I'm watching. Anyway, what about you? I uh, I got I got a I got a I got a like by Don Cheadle on Twitter. So like which which Don Cheadle like a fake Don Cheadle or the Don Cheadle? The Don Cheadle. <laughs> Holy moly! What do you mean? Like what did he like? Uh, my tweet about um, my my lovely conversation with Malcolm Spellman, uh, the head writer of Falcon and Winter Soldier, and how James Rhodes was uh, such an important appearance in that first episode. James Rhodes is played by Don Cheadle. So essentially he is liking uh, his own mention, which is fine because I, I do the exact same. But it's nice to know that uh, Don, and I, uh, Don and I, yeah, we're very similar in that regard. If we like, if we, we'll probably like it if it specifically mentions how great we are. Okay, so there are two things there. One, I thought it was nice that my brother got in touch. You're like, yeah, well, Don Cheadle and Actual Avenger got in touch, so there you go. Um, and two, anybody you you know listening out there, you heard it here first. If you do want to interact with Don Cheadle online, just say something nice about him or Rhodes mm. uh, on Twitter, and he will he will get back to you straight away. Um, now, interestingly, last week's episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, New World Order, uh, Disney Plus announced that it was the most watched series premiere ever for the, uh, for the streaming service. So bigger than The Mandalorian Season 2, bigger than Division as well, which shows there's obviously just a huge interest in this brand new series. Yeah, like I, I think off the back of Division, everyone... Uh, like I I I I I won't lie. Like when when I think it was the same when the Mandalorian arrived. I was like, eh, do I, do I like how good? How much money? How how well produced can it be if it's on TV? Like they're completely blowing it out of water. And then when One Division proved to be as good and as interesting as as it was, it doesn't surprise me that everyone came back so quickly for 
Falcon and the Winter Soldier, especially because this does seem to be such an action-heavy show. Like the, it's 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 rare you see a TV show with set pieces like this. Yeah, now we're going to begin this week's episode. We're going to get stuck into episode two now. But first of all, Roy, there was something you wanted to flag about last week's episode. Yeah, so there's, there's two things I want to talk about at the top of this one. First of all, can we get a moment's silence? Because R.I.P. Oh, yeah. Red Wing. R.I.P. Red Wing, straight away. Red, like, <laughs> <laughs> I love how they, how they set that up. It was like, yeah, Red Wing is really annoying Bucky here. And then, douche, Red Wing is gone. Yeah, so just a, just, uh, I guess you talking through the moment silence is our moment silence, so we'll just bury it's, 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 it's what I do, we don't have time to mess around here. <laughs> Thanks for everything, Red Wing. Yeah, and uh, yeah, uh, one of the things, I think because we were so excited to talk about the first episode, and I know I'm particularly guilty of having done it the first time, was zipping through the end credits looking for a mid or post credits scene, and there wasn't one, so I was like, eh. And it never occurred to me to actually just sit and watch the actual end credits where there were some plenty of Easter eggs to be found with lots of references to uh, to some stuff that was expanded upon in this episode and some more stuff that is still to come. So we could we could dedicate an entire episode of TBR Spotlight just talking about the references in the in the in the end credits. But let's let's focus on this episode first and see what actually uh, what actually came up. Yeah, for those end credits, um, you can go and check out Rory's chat with the, as he said, the head writer and the director of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So that's Carrie Scogland yeah. and Malcolm Spellman. And both of them talk about the end credits as well and kind of the thinking behind that. Because Malcolm Spellman, who's like the head writer, he said he was getting texts from his friends uh, saying like, I just found out that Marvel's been planting way more seeds than I knew about. So which kind of just sums up exactly the approach that Marvel take to all of this is like, only some people know everything that's going on and even the head writer is still being surprised by things in the show that he actually wrote as well so that's uh that's good and exciting and mysterious uh to hear but yeah like first things first with um with this episode um john walker is our new captain america and they really set him up in I thought like a really clever way because at the end of the last episode, um, as I said, I know I related to him because of the big sticky out ears. And then there was just a bit of uneasiness, you know, people obviously talking about the the gun that's on his hip and it's just, oh, what's his background? And we get a little bit more of that this time around. But they set it up. With, he's this all-American hero. He seems to have married his high school sweetheart. He's got his friend, him and him and his wife. They had this little, the little adorable like pinky kiss. And you're like, okay, look at him. He's nervous. Does he puke before big games? Is he going to puke before this? There were so many just normal, nervous, excited things about him. You're like, hey, I really, really like John Walker. And then his best friend, uh, Lamar Hoskins, kind of pops up with a little line. Oh, by the way, uh, don't forget, you just can't punch your way out of everything anymore. And you're like, "Uh oh. And so began the little dark undercurrent of what's he got in his past? Why has he got anger issues? So what did you think of the way that they kind of They've they've played us now with with John Walker. They presented him at the beginning of uh, the second episode. Yeah, it's it, it's uh, it was interesting. Like we, I don't think we can not talk about the because the first episode we we're like oh some some racist undertones and this one is like oh it's not subtext or undertones. This is about racism in America. That's one of the primary thrusts of of the show. So it's interesting that they gave him his own 
Falcon, kind of, uh, with Lamar, um, who we find out later on as Battlestar, his own uh, kind of character, who does exist in the MCU as well. Um, in the in the comic books, he was part of the Bold Urban Commandos, which is what is that typing sound? I'll tell you, it's not typing, it's hailstones on the window, and there's literally nothing I can do about the weather. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> <It is> just... <laughs> I was like, why is he typing through my ex- explanation? We'll, we'll... It's, it's Red Wing just tapping his beak on the window loads, just like, Owen, Owen, let me in, please. No, no, th- well, this is this is the reality of recording uh, in, <laughs> in a pandemic. <laughs> so, yeah, so it he... appears to be, I, I appear to be moving into the middle of a storm, so it may, <laughs> it may get worse before it gets better. But no, you you continue on. So yeah, he, he, he was a, a member in the comics of the Bold Urban Commandos. He were the B-U-Cs, or the Books. So, ah. Bucky. He was, uh, he was one of the Bookies, apparently, in... Uh, in the comic books, uh, but in this, yeah, he is uh, John Walker's kind of right hand man, and it's interesting that his um, childhood sweetheart slash wife is a person of color. It is. It does feel like everything that's been decided upon is very thoughtful, uh, just to see how it will play out going forward. And then when he comes out to the football pitch, uh, he it's to a, a drumline version of the Star Spangled Man that we heard back in Captain America's introduction in the first Avenger, but it's uh, updated. Uh, yeah, and they do give him uh, a nice guy introduction for the most part. When, when they give him his little montage reel, they're like, oh, you're top of the class and speed and strength and blah, blah, blah. I was like, uh uh-oh, he, he's done. He's been up to something. He's been, he's been at some juice. He shouldn't have been. Um, and I'm sure that will play out going forward. Definitely. Some other lovely little details. I like, it was really impressive. Um, his control of the shield, whenever it was even just showing those little moments, his accuracy and the speed with that. Um, he he must've had that for a while. Well, that's it. But he kind of hints at like, you know, the last two weeks have been a bit crazy, you know, because one minute we find ourselves on like whatever it was, like special ops missions in Chile. And then the next thing, you know, I'm the, I'm the brand new Captain America. So there was that. And then um, they're obviously giving us that insight into his history of like, you know, the first guy to ever win like three Medal of Honors. And you're like, this this guy is a hero. But there's just something not quite right about him. And then nice little kind of callbacks, as you said, to Steve Rogers in the first Avenger or any of the Steve Rogers appearances, you know, those iconic shots of him punching the punching bag whenever Nick Fury comes to get him. You get those shots of John Walker doing that. Um, And then the music, I absolutely loved the kind of the big American marching band version, as you said, of of, uh, the Captain Avengers um, Star Spangled Man thing from the first Avenger. And I was like immediately going to listen to that uh, afterwards. And I checked in the end credits, it's actually, it's played by the Captain America drum corps. So, which is very cool as well. Um, So lots of, they just set that up uh so nicely but um john walker aside and then he obviously comes back into the episode and they lead with that one of the most exciting things about this episode is for the first time we're getting to see bucky and sam back together um no pleasantries they're straight into it and they're straight into uh a fight so what what did you think about how they how they set up the beginning of their kind of uh on screen together relationship i uh <laughs> like i get for 
it, it's funny because after the first episode, I was like, come on, get them together. Come on. And then the second episode, I was like, oh, I would have liked that drawn out just to do any bit more. <laughs> instead of just rushing into You're it. You're just never happy. <laughs> no, because it, uh, like, when Bucky's like, oh, I'm coming with you on a, I guess, a government plane on a top secret mission. I was like, is he just allowed to do that? <laughs> is that just. I know he's, like, not seen as uh, technically a bad guy anymore, but, like, surely just some government rules so he can't get involved in he's he's been pardoned missions. yeah he's yeah, but, not a murder machine anymore yeah i guess but it's just uh it just felt a bit like oh i'm on the plane too here we go. i was like all right fine um and then they they head off like it's in a way i'm like good let's not waste any more time getting to the good stuff because once they do get back together like that kind of bantery like odd couple vibe is uh is very funny well, they're two. They're basically two big children. That's it. And the the bickering is brilliantly done. We know that, um, like Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie is like the the way that they're able to switch genuinely between drama to comedy uh, and play both of those uh, kind of styles so well. And so, like, like I I just find that so impressive. Obviously, when I'm watching it as well, because uh, you go from things like the big three. That what was it? It was like uh, aliens, aliens, androids, and <laughs> and magicians. then wizards. He's yeah. like, wizards first, and then he's like uh, sorcerers, which is a fair observation that uh, sorcerer is just a wizard without a hat, basically. Yeah. Um, and then that that line about the Hobbit as well, which is like I read the Hobbit when I was uh, when it was first released, like 1936 or whatever it was. Um, those lovely little moments um so no uh the way that they've set that up and they've got them playing it uh again in the therapy scene later on with uh mm. with the staring contest as well that that dynamic is also uh or already working brilliantly well yeah like it's uh it's they don't miss a beat uh it's very funny it they do kind of play off each other's what you you might think are uh could become irritating um because you know that Bucky is like stoic and trying to be unemotional and closed off to the world, and uh, Sam is the exact opposite. He's he's fiery and he's passionate about things and he's cool AF. So it is it is like a great dynamic between the two of them, uh, and they they do they just immediately get back into that get back into that vibe, and already. Uh, I know I said this to you before we start recording. Like, if you go onto Twitter, they are being shipped pretty hard, pretty pretty hard. Um, a million fanfics have begun being written off the back of the therapy scene, the group therapy scene, and also just their little tumble in the in the in the grass. <laughs> I was going to say a bit of rough and tumble because you've tweeted about this yourself, actually. Uh, there's the moment where, uh, and we'll get to, to the action scenes in, in a moment, but uh, Falcon swoops in, literally uh, rescues Bucky from below one of these speeding uh, juggernaut lorries. Uh, and the two of them tumble for about 10 minutes through like this, you know, idyllic style. Well, it's it's now in my memory, it's like this beautiful idyllic meadow. And they... Um, they basically they tumble their way through and then end up uh, in a relatively compromising situation with each other. Yeah, it's just like you have to wonder how aware they were or the director was in the placement of, of everything. Like even later on in the therapy scene, they're like, open your legs. <laughs> like I, we're, we're locked in now uh, and like really getting in, in, like essentially into each other's crotches <laughs> for to get as close as they can. Like, that can't have been by accident. It just, it can't have been. 
So do you think they're just going to kind of mess around with people's like kind of, I was going to say expectations, but also emotions maybe like for the duration <laughs> of the series? Or is this, do you think this actually has potential to go somewhere as well? Oh, no, no, no. Like, I think it's playing on the whole kind of Top Gun uh, action movie homoeroticism thing. It's just, it's just a, more aware of it than, than I guess a lot of action movies actually end up being. And more power to it because obviously it's, it's putting a lot of interesting uh, subtext to the forefront so why not have a bit of fun with this one as well so in terms of some of the mysteries within the episode uh you mentioned Battlestar uh earlier on and this was one of my uh favorite things about the uh one of my favorite things about the marvel cinematic universe is usually whenever tony stark gives people silly nicknames mm. uh, and it was nice to see that tradition has been continued here because the moment um <laughs> lamar says i'm battlestar and bucky just gives him a look and just goes like i give up i'm, I'm out of here I'm and, and, <laughs> yeah I'm out. and like you're like bucky you you fought beside a talking genetically modified raccoon and you were fine with that but some lad tells you his name is battlestar and you've got a serious issue with it um yeah, but that raccoon so, had a cool name <laughs> So <laughs> he, did, he, he did have a cool name. So it's just the name Battlestar he's got an issue with. But then you've also got um, Sam slagging off Bucky, calling him White Panther. Like, you know, you spend 10 minutes in Wakanda or whatever, and now you, you think you're White Panther. And then you've also got him calling him uh, Freaky Magoo as well. Um, <laughs> so it's it's like, I just love like those little like pepperings of, uh, of, of silly nicknames. Like another interesting character that we are introduced to after... Uh, after that is uh, Isaiah Bradley uh, in his in his house in Maryland, um, and that it'll be it'll be interesting to see whether they come back to him or not because he is he has one of the most tragic backstories in the comic books. So in in the show we find out that Isaiah had a had a bit of a fight with uh, with Bucky back in the Korean War in Goyang in South South Korea, and Isaiah actually won that fight and ended up ripping most of. Bucky's metal arm off uh, and then when he came back home we, we're not really told why but he was put in prison for like 30 years and then tested on by the US government and we find out a bit later also by Hydra um, just on his blood and stuff and we know that he was given essentially the same super serum that both Steve and Bucky was given um, and a few others that I guess we were introduced to back in Civil War. Remember the the guys who were like frozen at the end, and Bucky had killed them all. Um, That's right. And I I'm assuming that is setting up where the uh the flag smashers have got their strength from. It's it's somewhere somewhere along someone along the line has managed to tap into a source of this, whether it be from uh Isaiah himself when they were doing tests on him, or whether it's from the base that uh, Zemo found at the end of uh, Civil War. But uh, in the comic books, uh, Isaiah Bradley was tested on by the U.S. government on the on the with the the special serum. Uh, him and a load of other African American soldiers were tested on, and then all sent on a suicide mission into Berlin in World War Two. And he was the only survivor, and he managed to take out a pretty high ranking uh, bad guy. But somewhere in there, he he found like a, a drop box that was intended for Steve Rogers. So he grabbed the shield to kind of help defend himself and then fought through it and blah, blah, blah. And then when he came back home, he was put in prison for treason, for stealing Captain America's shield. 
and put in there for like 17 years or something. He was let out the day John F. Kennedy was made president. But the whole time he was in prison, he was tested on and uh, kind of the same stuff that he mentions in the show. Uh, and then when he comes out, the government are like, oh, sorry we put you in prison for being a hero, but we're just kind of pretend that there was never a black Captain America, so you just go under the rug there. Um, and through the comic books, he kind of pops up here and there as like a legend for the black community. Uh, like, so Storm, and uh, he actually pops up at Storm's wedding to wish her, wish her well in the comics. So like, he is kind of a, he's a legend for the black community in the comic books. So it'll be interesting to see how much of that they dive into, if at all, in the show. But uh, they do kind of allude to it. You see him just kind of yeet a kind of tuna through a wall when he gets a bit mad. And then we see uh, the the boy that he's living with is like, whoop, you've, you've ticked him off a bit. Now we'll get back to the boy in a bit because that could be setting up something else as well. But just in terms of I say himself, that is, he's such a such an interesting person to fold into the mix. Well, that was whenever they were setting it up and Bucky was like, there's somebody I think you should meet. I was like, oh, where is this going? Because WandaVision obviously did something similar with uh, my engineer friend across the hill. And it's like this mysterious person. But it's great. There wasn't as much of a payoff in WandaVision for that particular Mm. mystery. But for this one, um, yeah, as you said, with that incredible backstory as well, which uh, I I didn't know who Isaiah was, and then whenever the camera pans back, and you're like, oh, this guy is huge. He has like got some special abilities here as well. And then as you said, that per wee can of tuna. I'm not a massive fan of tuna anyway, but I don't want to see a can of tuna being bandied about like that. Tuna but didn't that do anything. Scene, <laughs> that's true. But the the whole uh, scene I thought was really well done the way they set that up. But then following that, whenever Sam and Bucky get stopped by the Baltimore cops outside in the street, and again. Um, as Malcolm Spellman, the head writer, has has talked about how the racial issues, uh, especially in America, have fed into the show. And you get Sam, uh, regardless of whether he should or should not be recognized as an Avenger, he gets stopped. He gets asked for ID. Bucky doesn't. Um, then a, a second squad car pulls up. And then it's only whenever they realize who Sam is, they kind of start to back off. And they twist it slightly, obviously, with Bucky getting put in the back of a police car. But at the same time, it just goes to show... Um, with Isaiah being put in prison for 30 years, Sam getting stopped on the street outside, um, how this is the reality uh, for uh, a lot of black people in America. Yeah, like it's, it is, it is funny that like during, during their, they're just having like a, a, a loud exchange of words and the cops are like, sir, are you okay? To Bucky. And like, is this they, man bothering you? And the hands like on the gun, ready to go. Uh, but then when they find out that Bucky is, uh, is there's a warrant out for his rest? They're like, so sorry, sir, so sorry. It's just I know we understand it's such a inconvenience, and it's just the the complete contrast of how they were so aggressive towards Sam and how they're almost apologetic towards Bucky, even though nobody knows who Bucky is. Like it's not like he has to get out of jail free cards of being an Avenger because he he's got his haircut. No one knows who he is anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then when they drive off with in, in the police car and it pans back to Sam and write a huge mural on the wall behind Sam to stop the violence. It was like, oof, this show is not messing around with uh, with this with the subtext. Let's get on to the Flag Smashers because um, oh, we yeah. get to see a bit more of them. Because obviously with episode one, uh, we saw one 
main flag smasher who clearly had super strength. We were like, oh, who could this be? You had your own theory about it. Which that it wrong. might even potentially... Complete, complete. But listen, that's what we're here for. We're here for vicious rumors and wild theories. The more of those, the merrier, please. But it turns out that he is one of the group of flag smashers. Uh, we get eight of them in this kind of uh, attack that Bucky and Sam are involved in whenever Captain America slash John Walker and, and his best pal uh Lamar turn up but it's interesting how they played with the whole appearances can be deceiving obviously with John Walker you know this goody two shoes but something's not quite right and then similarly in this they're like they've got a hostage but it obviously turns out the hostage is like this you know she's small petite little English girl basically and she kind of picks her head out and Bucky is so confident he's like I've got the hostage you know we've got this under control but but what can you tell us about her because I was like what's uh, going on here because we got a hint of her name Carrie Morgenthau Carly Mor- Morgenthau or Carly, sorry. I believe uh, yeah there is a character in the comic books called Carl Morgenthau so I think this is a, a gender swapped version of him who is he's a he's a son of a, a very rich Swiss banker um, who when his when his dad is killed in a uh, in a riot to do with other countries kind of invading Switzerland, it's it's kind of it's muddled a bit. He decides that the best course of action is for the world not to have um, borders anymore, and and it it does need to be teased out a little bit in in the show, I think, because on the one hand, I was like, oh, we've got people here on Earth who were like, oh, Thanos had the right idea things were better when half the people were gone because everyone came together and there was more money to go around and everyone uh, was in a kind of a better uh, lifestyle. Like everyone, everything seemed, seemed better to these people. And then when all the the people blipped back in, uh, they feel a bit put out. (laughs) They feel it because there's one line in particular, which like, uh, they're not even thinking about us anymore. They think they're just thinking about the people who were who were um who were brought back, and it's essentially uh, asylum seekers, and it's the people who think that you know you've forgotten about us who live here, uh, and you're paying all this attention and giving all this money to people who 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 aren't from here. So it's it's a weird like flip on we shouldn't have any borders, but also we were here and get them out of here because we were here first. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting, but it does need to be spelled out a little bit more because I, I'm none the wiser as to what the vaccine was. I think that you were chasing down what that was well, for. This is, <laughs> this is whenever I thought, Oh God, has the Falcon and the winter soldier just moved into documentary territory? Is this actually happening now as people attempt to smuggle vaccines uh, across Europe, essentially? So there were a couple of mysteries uh hidden within there as you said obviously we have the the apparent leader of the of the flag smashers there with carly and her background the the mysterious vaccines what are the vaccines for they just for you know helping other members of the flag smashers because these guys obviously have this really close human connection with each other where the writers are kind of again toying with this and like you're going to feel a little bit sorry for these guys because it seems like they're doing some good stuff here as well and then mixed in with that they're getting these mysterious text messages saying i'm going to come for you basically you stole what was mine and you're like mm. who are these from and they obviously mentioned things like the power brokers after them and the global uh who was it the what are they called oh, the, the global, global re- 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 patriation 
GRC Council. 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 Yes. That's uh, the one. Which we, we did a very quick Google search for and couldn't find anything on. So it doesn't appear to be a thing that previously exists. It could be something that the writers uh, maybe needed to, to set in place just to, you know, feel make it feel like the blip was a bit more lived in or not lived in, in the case of some of the, half the people. Um, so yeah, like, yeah, there, oh God, like there's just so many potential rabbit holes to go down in terms of the, the theories and the, the stuff, the mysteries that they've set up. One of the things that I thought um, from looking at the trailers and actually going back to the trailers for the series initially, I think they've done that brilliantly well because this episode actually uses a lot of the footage that we had seen in some of the trailers, mm. but it expands it. So, for example, with the truck action, which was a really good fight as well, um, we didn't know that John Walker and uh, Lamar were going to turn up as well. Yeah. Uh, so that was one thing. Uh, and then there, there are just other elements that they that they kind of play with from the trailers previously. But um, one of the things that I had thought was going to happen was that Zemo was going to be uh, in charge of these guys uh, as well. But obviously, uh, he makes his own appearance separately uh, towards the end of the, of the... And that's why whenever uh, Bucky again was like, there's somebody you got... I've got to bring you to see. I was like, oh, is this going to be Zemo? So they keep kind of just pulling the rug out there uh, a little bit as well. But what do you, what did you think about his appearance? It reminded me an awful lot of um, Magneto in yeah, X-Men 2. He's, he's in prison and he's playing chess and he's waiting for someone, <laughs> yeah. someone to come along and to play with. So I was like, oh, that's a nice little nod. Um, so I'm guessing he's still in prison since the end of Civil War. Uh, even though in Civil War he was in that weird cube thing that martin freeman was standing outside of um yeah and he, they were sent there kind of off 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 the cuff of one line by isaiah bradley where he was like even your people kept testing on me and then bucky was like by your people he means hydra and by hydra he means zemo but zemo wasn't in hydra so i don't know where the connection is there um Unless I'm missing something. No, I think, uh, well, obviously Bucky's going along with what he knows and um, he knows that Zemo will definitely hold certain amount of answers for him, uh, both personally and then also uh, in the bigger scheme of things. One of the things that I loved about that Magneto scene, as you said, because that was the first thing, it was like kind of uh, the, the the perspex around the end were in this top secret facility um, and then obviously the obligatory shot of the chessboard. He's a tortured genius who's great at strategy. And yeah. um, uh, it's a real handy uh, shorthand. <laughs> it really is. But so is um uh, I think there was an amazing callback here. And again, I don't think uh I don't know if this was intentional by the writers, but the piece of music that's used in that particular scene is from Mozart Requiem, which is an amazing piece of music, but one of the most or one of my my favorite uses of that music. because uh, you know it's it's huge, it's it's uh choir and orchestra and it's dramatic and it's perfect for setting up now we're cutting to the villain in a cell. But um one of my favorite uses of it is from the big Lebowski. Uh it's whenever the dude goes to see Mr. Lebowski and interestingly there I, I had a look back after watching uh, the episode this morning because I was just like what are they talking about in that scene exactly and uh, Lebowski is asking the dude what does it mean to be a good man what does it mean to do that is it being prepared to do Ooh. something uh, to do the right thing even though it might not be 
exactly you know what you agree with and i was like this ties in perfectly with the falcon <laughs> and the winter soldier it's like i was like they're clearly referencing the big lebowski here um of course the dude says uh, yeah that on a, on a pair of testicles that's what it takes to be a man and he's like yeah I know you're trying to be funny, but you're also right. So, um, no, I, I just love that 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 whole kind of setup uh, of him at the very end of the episode, which is what they were giving us for for our cliffhanger moment as well. Then it's just like, boom, out. Yeah, yeah, it's clever that, again, we're not fully sure <clears throat> what his involvement could be. It does, Like, it seems next to impossible that he could be now directly involved with whatever the power brokers end up being. Um, so whatever his involvement is, it will be. It'll be. It's. It'll be something. I don't think anyone will have guessed yet. I wonder if they're. If it's like we're gonna have to break him out of prison in order to solve this with the three of us, and he's just someone that he they can't trust the whole time. They're out in the run. Um, but otherwise, like I'm not. I'm not too sure what his what his involvement could be. It is. Uh, like the power brokers. All right. So, I'm gonna get onto one of my two big swings here. First big well, I was I was about to say, can we can we please get some uh, you know patented Rory Cash and Wild <laughs> theories, please? Because that's that's what I'm here for. So when when the guy kind of sacrifices himself on the airport, sorry, which... I thought that no offense to him, but I thought that was hilarious. I was like, okay, he's pushing over the the electricity pole. That's yeah. a good move. And then the next thing was just like, wait, you've got super sync. You're literally running into a hail of bullets. Yeah. Um, I was like, that doesn't seem like the wisest move. No, in my head, I was like, he could have just knocked the pole over and then just gone back and gotten on the plate. There was plenty of time <laughs> for him to get away. Just knock, knock over another pole. There were loads of poles there. Problem solved. But uh, yeah, when when that scene was happening, and then we see the the people who are in the trucks who shoot shoot him dead, and they sound like American people, and they kind of look like American agents to me. So. I think the power brokers have gotten their hands back on the super serum and are feeding it both to have felt have fed it both to John Walker, so he is fast and strong and blah 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 and can be the new Captain America, and are feeding it to the flag smashers to kind of have a a bad guy that warrants an extreme reaction from Captain America going, look, see, if it wasn't for me, you'd all, you'd all be dead in, a, in an explosion. So I had to do what I had to do to keep the world safe. So I think the power brokers will end up being not quite Hydra, but that dude who just gave the shields to, to John Walker will somehow be involved in it again. Yeah, so basically they're the CIA in South America and they just they, they go in and they, they play both sides essentially. That's what it is. And they're actually controlling the bigger picture. There actually was something, uh, again, as you said, I, I don't know if the power broker has any connection to the Global Repatriation Council, but in the end credits again, there is uh, the Global Repatriation Council and they do that whole thing, you know, with the that symbol of the Illuminati with the triangle oh, yeah. with the eye in it and all, you know, which is like you stick that into anything from like any Dan Brown book to whatever it is <laughs> and everyone's like theories goes 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 mad basically. But no, that that is an interesting play that they're behind the scenes and playing and controlling both sides when everybody else thinks they're, we're doing this for the good of the cause and you're like, no, not really. It's all about money and us controlling everything. Yeah, uh, and my my second one is we have to tie back to uh, Isaiah Bradley. Oh yeah, the uh, the young lad who answers the door. Oh yes, yes, yes. So they don't. I don't think I like. I had 
I went back and rewatched that scene, and I put the uh, the subtitles on to see if they give the name of who he is, and it just says boy. And I was like, okay. Mm. And then if you look at the end credits, it's not in there. So right, okay. Um, my guess, an educated guess at that, but my guess is that it is Isaiah Bradley's grandson, who is Eli Bradley, who in the comic books turns out to be the Patriot, who is officially kind of one of the one of the forefront black superheroes that kind of takes on the Captain America mantle. Uh, but he's part of the Young Avengers. And you know who else is in the Young Avengers? I don't know, Rory, but I've got a feeling you're going to tell me. So it's younger Hawkeye, who we know oh, is yes. coming with Haley Steinfeld. Hey, uh, that's right. In the Hawkeye show. It's Wanda and Vision's two kids. Okay. And it's a it's a another one who, you know, depending on the comic, the pain it like it's it can it can change all the time, but it, it sometimes it's Miss Marvel, who we also know is getting her own Disney Plus show. So again, if they come back to Isaiah and if they come back to who who I'm assuming is Eli, this could be setting up the Young Avengers Disney Plus show, which is I, which is going to be I, its own whole thing. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Like, I just got very excited by you. See, no offense to to the first wild theory that you had. You know, it's it's one big group of bad guys. You know, playing both sides. I'm like, that's that's fine. I've seen that, but now this 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 could be potentially very juicy. Uh, with those kind of connections, as you said, Haley Steinfeld, we know is on the way with the with those uh, with her own show, as is um Miss Marvel as well. So that that would all tie in perfectly, and it would tie in perfectly with the planning. That both Kevin Feige at Marvel and uh, and Disney would be doing anyway, and they're just basically going to take over our lives uh, yeah, for for the next like forever, essentially. Actually, there was one other thing just on as Isaiah um, that I noticed again in the end credits. Kari uh, Schofield had talked about the the peeling back of the posters, um, and you can kind of see things hidden underneath. There is a shot of what looks like a younger version of him. Uh, almost like a mugshot with like subject number and the number is kind of scribbled out or it's hard to make out, which would obviously hint back to those experiments that you were talking about uh, previously as well. So it's just, it's lovely the way that like even those characters who appear to be minor or only pop up for those kind of moments um, are part of the bigger kind of, you know, mm-hmm. the, the fabric of of the show and everything that has led up to the show without us actually seeing it as well. So lots jammed in so where do you think we're going <laughs> next week or did you actually did you did you enjoy this episode more than the yeah. first one yeah 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 it, it because they're together because it does feel like the plot is has a forward momentum as opposed to just a placement like the first episode had uh the truck action scene was was great uh if, if we get like one action scene like that like the helicopter because i think in the trailer we've seen the helicopter scene a lot and we've seen the truck scene a lot. So I, I, I'm trying to remember now, is there like another big action scene that was teased in any of the trailers? But nothing's come to mind. So maybe they're they're really holding back on like the later episode surprises. Uh, which so would yeah, be amazing. Which would be fantastic. Um, but yeah, like it will be interesting just to see because we know <laughs> someone somewhere along the line they're they're both gonna be fighting John Walker. And and uh, Lamar Hosking, and that's going to be a great fight. But that's, that's probably that's probably not to like later. So next week it will be Zemo finding Zemo. 
finding Zemo. Um, hopefully that is what they've what they've called the episode as well. I'm just thinking whenever you were saying what other action do they still have to play that we may have been uh, gotten a hint of uh, so far. Sharon Carter, obviously mentioned by mm. name in this particular episode, but we do see her running around, introducing herself to the guys again uh, with her gun drawn as well. So obviously she's going to bust into to some uh, action scene that they're both involved in as well. But I, th- I, think, I think that's everything. Again, there's probably about a gazillion things uh, that will pop up over the next uh, over the next week until episode three of TBR Spotlight. But um, Rory, as as Sam says in the therapy session, thanks thanks for making things weird. Cheers, thank you as ever. It's it's my job. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you're really good at it. Uh, thanks to Colm on sound as well, uh, and thanks to everybody for listening and subscribing to uh, the Big Review Ski and for listening to uh, TBR Spotlight as well. Same again, uh, my brother Colm. If you if you're listening, it's different Colm from Sound Colm. Sure. Uh, but if my brother Colm, if you're listening again, um, feel free to send me a nice text about and that you enjoyed the episode. If, if any of any of the other Avengers want to, <laughs> just any of like, famous like my Avengers. stuff or slide into my DMs, I'm here. No problem. <laughs> okay, wow. Okay, well, again, thanks, Rory, for making it weird. Uh, we'll see everybody next week for TBR Spotlight, Episode 3. Bye-bye.